0: I do invite you to join me in Ephesians 1, if you are not there already. Ephesians 1, we'll be continuing to work our way through this passage, looking specifically at verses 7 to 12 this evening. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, tonight we recognize that you are our great God. That you are worthy. That you are a God who is in complete control. And so even as we have just sung in song, Lord, help us to be still. Be still, my soul. Be still and know that I am God. Heavenly Father, there's a lot going on around us in the world today. There are things that we don't understand. There are things going on even in our own lives that we may be confused. Things that hurt, things that don't make sense. Help us to be still. Help us to look forward with longing and hope to that day when disappointment, grief, and fear are gone. When sorrows are forgotten and love's purest joys restored. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And yet till that day, give us grace and mercy for each day as you promise. Faith. strength to uphold us, to trust in you regardless of what it is that we walk through, recognizing all the blessings that you have given us in Christ, recognizing the glories of what you are doing in creation, in history, bringing all things together in Christ for your glory. And we may not understand all the little details in that, but we can rest in the big picture. That you, our God, is in, are in control. And you are at work in all the little details for our good and your glory. Heavenly Father, even in this hour, as we look at this passage, remind us of these truths. Comfort us with the blessings that are ours in Christ. Encourage our hearts and challenge us to be all the more faithful. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we come to Ephesians 1, verses 7 to 12, we're continuing our way through this uh, one long sentence in the Greek language, verses one through fourteen. A couple weeks ago, we looked at verses um, three to six, and this morning we find, or this evening we find ourselves here in verses seven to twelve. You may remember several weeks ago as we kind of jumped into this sentence, the flow of the book of Ephesians. It's almost as if Paul starts writing and he cannot help himself. He is excited about what God is doing, and it just all comes flowing out of him. You can just almost picture him just, just writing. You, you've probably been there before. You're writing something, and just in that moment, just, it, just, it, it hits you. Things are just flowing, and you're going, and you just keep writing. That's how, almost how I picture Paul here. He, he finally gets around to sitting down to writing the book of Ephesians, and he starts, Paul, and then it just clicks, and he is just going. Look at all these things that God has done. He starts in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And that is really the subject of this sentence. All of these spiritual blessings that are ours in Christ. And that's what he jumps into there right at verse 4. Still in the same sentence just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In our English, there's a period there, but in the Greek, it keeps going. In him, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. And it is just coming, flowing out of Paul. He wants you to know these things. And, and really, these blessings, these truths, this big picture is the theme of Ephesians. It, are, it, are these, it, it is these blessings. It are these blessings. are these blessings. It is these blessings. I think. Is that right? It is these blessings in Christ that we see here in this passage that goes on to be the subject of the book of Ephesians. All of these things. What does it look like? What does that mean for us? This gospel that we see here. And really last week, or last, a couple weeks ago, and we were in verses 3 to 6, we were really dealing with eternity past. These were all things that God did even before the world was created. This election. God's choice creating all this, bringing it about. But as you come to verses 7 to 12, now we're moving into time. And really by the time we get to the end of this passage in verse 12, we're even at the end of time. When God has brought all of this to completion, his big purpose that he is accomplishing throughout history. So really in this one sentence, as Paul is he's just pouring out his heart, look what God has done, look who he is, rejoice in this with me. As he's doing that, he starts an eternity past, and he'll go all the way to eternity future, what God has done, what God will do, what God is doing. So as we work our way through this passage this evening, we will see God's great riches... In verses 7 to 9, and then God's great plan in verses 10 to 12. The first thing you see is God's great riches. More of these blessings that He is unfolding here for us. Every spiritual blessing that He has given to us, what are some of these blessings? Well, as we see in this passage, it is redemption, it is forgiveness, it is wisdom. In Him, we have redemption through his blood. The idea of redemption is to buy back. It is the idea of, of, of something that is kept in captivity and someone purchases the freedom of that thing. Often, some, often, Sometimes theologians will use the language of we have been bought back from the slave market of sin. This really gets to the core of the gospel itself. We are sinners. And our sin has separated us from a holy God. And that sin demands a payment. In fact, that payment is death. The wages of sin is death. That is what I deserve. That is what is rightfully mine. It's a cost that I cannot afford. I cannot pay. And apart from Christ, I have no hope. But in him, we do have redemption. We have freedom. How? Through his blood. We just saw that this morning, did we? Now we've seen that actually in Hebrews, the last several chapters, 8, 9, even into 10. Is the author of Hebrews specifically in, verse, in chapter 9 just focuses on the blood of Jesus Christ and the power that is in that blood? It is blood that brings forgiveness, it is blood that covers my sins. That's what Paul is jumping on here. In him, one of these blessings that we have is redemption. My sins have been paid for, not not through good works, but through his blood. Our freedom comes by the shedding of Christ's blood. And really, he doesn't stop there, but he goes on even more. The forgiveness of sins. That's connected back to redemption through his blood. In this redemption, we have the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of our sin debt. That debt is paid through our redemption, through his blood. We have redemption through his blood. What does that mean? It means the forgiveness of sins. Your sins have been paid for. In Christ they are taken care of. How can this be? Why would God do this? According to the riches of his grace. That's another theme of Ephesians, the riches of God, the riches of his grace. Riches which he made to abound toward us, to abound toward us. He poured them out in excess. He has riches of grace, and he is liberal with his riches of grace. He pours them out. Riches of grace, abounding more than is necessary. I don't know if you've seen those videos online, um, but sometimes when, when someone will get a, a parking ticket or whatever, and they'll come in and they'll pay it with a big bag full of coins, right? And they just drop it on the counter. I, I kind of, as I was thinking about this, the riches of his grace, I was kind of thinking of, you know, think of, of Jeff Bezos, so one of the most rich, richest mans in the, richest men in the world. My English is struggling tonight richest man's one of the richest men in the world and I kind of imagine him having a parking ticket and he just backs up a dump truck and just unloads all the money says take what you need out of there like there's there's more than enough there right he could pay all of the parking tickets in all of the world there is a huge excess That's kind of in my mind what we have going on here. The riches of His grace, and they are just abounding. I mean, we are almost drowning in His grace. There is so much. He made it to abound toward us. He's not holding back, but He's pouring out in excess. This is the truth that we confess and song often. The one song that we sing are, Our sins they are many, His mercy is more. His mercy and His grace are so much more. They abound toward us. Here we see another blessing, one of these blessings. It's the idea of wisdom. Abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. There's a couple of different ways you could take this. You could see this phrase, in all wisdom and prudence, as looking forward to God in His wisdom has done this. But it seems to me that the better way to take this, and and there's several commentaries I checked that, that kind of agree with this, the better way to take this is to see this wisdom and this prudence or this understanding as another one of the blessings that God gives to us. This is not God's wisdom. It is wisdom given by God to man. And I think that's what you go on to see then in verses 9 and 10. It is wisdom to understand the mystery of the gospel. See, not only did God save us, but God gave us the the wisdom, eyes to see our sin and our need of salvation to begin with. It is wisdom and understanding given to us by the grace of God to understand God's purpose and plan. Wisdom to see what he has made known to us, which is the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. The idea of a mystery, a lot of times specifically in in Paul's writing, and really across the New Testament, is the idea of something that at one point was not revealed, but now has been revealed. What is going on here, as we see even in in verses 10 and following, is that this mystery is the gospel, but it's not just the gospel. It goes beyond God's saving of man to really even God's purpose in all of creation, His glory. It is the, the mystery, wisdom to see that God is doing something great on a grand scale. And he's doing this according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. This is not something that God was forced to do. It is something that God decided to do out of the goodness of his will. I want to do this for my pleasure. So in these first several verses, verses 7, 8, and 9, you really see God's great riches, all of these blessings, redemption, forgiveness, and wisdom, all of these are ours out of the abundant riches of the grace of God. We don't deserve a single one of them. But then really, in verses 10 to 12, the Apostle Paul really kind of jumps on that idea of this this mystery What God is doing in all of history. And so what you see here is, uh, from verses 10 10 to 12, is God's great plan. Starting in verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. That in the dispensation, the idea there is in the time, the fullness of times, in God's perfect timing. That phrase, the fullness of times, is a phrase that we are familiar with. It's a phrase you see even in Galatians 4 4, where Christ was born in the fullness of time, at the right time in history, as God had brought everything together at that moment, Christ was born when God wanted, where God wanted. Not a moment late. Not a moment too early. Just as Christ was born in the fullness time, so he will return. He will return to bring all things To to bring his kingdom and all things into the glory of God in in his perfect timing. He might gather all things together in one. in, In one, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. This is again backing up and just taking a huge, big picture look at what God is doing. God's ultimate plan is to unite all things in Christ. Everything that God is doing goes back to the cross of Christ. He's uniting all things in Christ. That's what you see here in in this portion of verse 10 is the centrality of Christ and God's plan. God is bringing all things together in Christ. Things in heaven and things which are on earth in him. Christ is central. Now, Paul here, kind of, he's backed way up. He's taken a huge look at all of history. What is God doing? He's ultimately bringing all things In unity in Christ. Now he zooms in to to us, to those who are in Christ. What, What does this mean for us? Well, verse 11, look at the hope of the saints. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Our salvation fits in to God's ultimate plan. And we have an inheritance. Not just have we been forgiven, we have been enriched. Even look back to verse 5 of Ephesians 1. This language of predestined, again, having predestined us to adoption as sons. Again, bring in even in the language of Romans 8 heirs with Christ. You have that same language here in Ephesians 1. Adoption as sons, and we have an inheritance in Christ. Predestined to adoption, and our adoption comes with an inheritance. According to God's purpose. Again, in our salvation, God is working for his purposes. He is accomplishing this big plan that we just saw one verse earlier. Bringing all things together in Christ. Part of that purpose is the hope of the saints in Christ. The inheritance that is ours. Adoption as sons by Jesus Christ. As we see in verse 5. It's God who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. That is the ultimate goal, the glory of God accomplished through the work of Christ throughout the course of all of history from eternity past to eternity future. From the beginning of time to the end of history, it is the faithfulness of God that is the testimony of the saints, and it is the glory of God that is the goal of all things. God is accomplishing his purposes. And as Paul is working his way, as he is preparing to write this letter to the Ephesians, to unpack all of these things. He is just overcome with this idea of what God is doing and the application that it has to this one little body in Ephesus, and it is just as true for us today here in Altoona. So brothers and sisters, even this evening as we have quickly worked our way through this passage, be encouraged even as we have backed up to look at what God is doing on a grand scale, be encouraged. Even as we have zoomed in a little bit to look at our inheritance in Christ and how that ties into the purposes of His will, be encouraged. From the big things to the little things, your God is in complete control. From eternity past to eternity future, your God is in complete control. And he is working all things together for his purposes to the praise of his glory. And so we rejoice. We rejoice in these blessings that are ours. These blessings of redemption and forgiveness and wisdom. This blessing of an inheritance that is ours in Christ. The hope that we have in a God who will be glorified. And so we rejoice, even with the saints in Ephesus all these years ago. As we close our service this morning, this evening, we're going to sing the song, Behold Our God. I think that's an appropriate song to sing after you work your way through a passage like this. As we have stepped back to look at God's big purpose in all of history, Now as the church, let's pause and let's confess in song, Behold our God. And may this passage give us boldness as we seek to make disciples, as we seek to stir love and good works among each other, even as we heard this morning, as we do the things that we are called to as the church here in Altuna, Iowa, we are doing it with the hope of a sure end, knowing that our God will be glorified. Let's stand together and sing Behold Our God.